Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Uh, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Oh my goodness, that was lame. I mean, I am not in a lame mood, so don't you make me lame, okay? <laughs> it is the most wonderful time of the year. That's a way. And we have a lot to praise the Lord about. Even in the midst of all that's happening in our world, we can celebrate and we need to prepare and celebrate for his advent. The word advent is a religious sounding word that simply means coming or arrival. And that's what the Christmas season is all about. It's celebrating that arrival, that first arrival of our savior, Jesus Christ. It, it always amazes me um, that all of the busyness and all of the, the gift giving, the family get togethers, the special meals, the Hallmark movies, the festival, festive clothing, it, it's all because of Jesus. When you think about it, it's all because of Jesus. That's why we celebrate the way we do. And, and even for those that are in our world that have not received the gospel, the good news of Jesus, whether they know it or not, their celebrations are predominantly sourced in Christianity and the celebration of the advent of Christ. They have Christmas season because of Jesus. He is the reason for the season. And I think of all the great movies that have come about because of Christmas and Movies like It's a Wonderful Life. Hey, Mary, I'll rope the, mirror, the, the moon for you. Yeah, it's a good idea. I'll pull it down for you. You know? <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street. I'm not going to try that one. <laughs> Elf. How many love Elf? That gum is not complimentary candy, right? The Polar Express. The Charlie Brown Christmas special where... Linus, if you've ever watched it, pretty much preaches the gospel message in it. It's powerful. And you can't forget Christmas Vacation with Cousin Eddie and his awesome RV. So many fun movies that... I'm sorry, i got to say this. I, I, I think that movie's funny. I'm sorry. I mean, there's a scene there where, where the one aunt says to Eddie, Cousin Eddie's little daughter, he goes, your eyes aren't crossed anymore. And he says, yeah, funny thing, you, you fall in a well, your eyes go across, you get kicked with the mule, they go back straight. <laughs> just cracks me up every time. <laughs> so many fun movies that, that probably would never have been made if Christ hadn't come on that first Christmas. And this year, we thought it would be fun to preach about the advent or the coming of Christ and, and tie some of the pastoral staff's favorite Christmas movies into our message. So we're starting a new series today. It'll be through Christmas Eve, and it's called Reels Christmas, Reels Christmas. And we're going we're gonna to kind of use some of our, 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 favorite, our favorite movies. The celebration of Advent typically has four weeks that focus on what actually came when Christ came, some, some of the different attributes that came with the coming of Christ. The first week is usually a celebration of the hope that came with his arrival. Then peace. The third week builds an anticipation of Christ's arrival and is usually celebrated as the coming of joy. Then, of course, that first Christmas brought with it 
the advent or the coming of love. When Jesus came to this world, he brought with him hope, peace, joy, and love. How many know that that's true? He brought those things in the world like the world had never seen them before. So today I want to focus in on the advent or the arrival of hope. With the coming of Jesus came the arrival of hope. Hope like the world, as I said, had never seen before. And I don't know if it's because of the great narration or if it's because I actually related to Ralphie a little bit, but one of my favorite Christmas movies is A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story. You see what's going on here? Yeah. You have probably all seen at least parts of it, but just to remind you, it's the iconic story of a boy named Ralphie who wants nothing more than the holy grail of all Christmas gifts, the Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle. And the movie follows the emotional roller coaster of little Ralphie's life as he becomes completely overcome with desire for this gift. And there are so many mind-burning images within this particular movie. Who can forget the kid stuck, or tongue stuck to the metal pole because he was triple dog dared to lick it by another kid, right? Or Ralphie's dad becoming the recipient of a major award. He was so impressed that it came in a crate stamped Fragili. It must have been from France. Italian. Just checking your movie, your movie trivia there. Good job. You win five bucks. Come see me after church. <laughs> In 2012, Amazon said that if you stacked end-to-end all the Christmas story leg lamps that were purchased through their website, they would go higher than Mount Everest. Or the scene where Ralphie goes crazy on a couple of bullies that have been picking on him for a while. In his frustration and anger, Ralphie gives them a taste of their own medicine and he beats the tar out of those guys. And of course, there's the scene where Ralphie says, oh, fudge. But he didn't say fudge. And this picture depicts the scene so well. There are so many iconic scenes in this film. Who can forget Ralphie's mom going overboard with making sure his little brother was bundled up enough for the cold walk to school? He couldn't even walk. He was like... And of course, the disappointment for Ralphie's dad when the Christmas turkey was eaten by the neighbor's dogs. That brought about one of my favorite scenes. Dad took the family to the only open restaurant on Christmas Day, the Bo Ling Chop Suey Palace. The owner was so accommodating to Ralphie's family, instead of turkey, he brought out the next best thing, a Chinese-style roasted duck. He even chopped the head off in front of them when they said they couldn't eat it because it was smiling at them. Then the owner did his best to give them some Christmas cheer. He had his Asian staff come out and sing, deck the halls to them. They did, however, struggle with some of the words as the language barrier got in the way. Fa-la-la-la-la was not something these guys could really pronunciate, and so it came out as fa-ra-ra-ra-ra. And um, even though the owner tried to correct them and say, no, it's fa-la-la-la-la, they would say fa-ra-ra-ra-ra. It's a great movie. And it doesn't really matter what part of the movie you're talking about. There's hope wove through the whole thing. Hope for that perfect Christmas gift. Hope for being a winner of a 
major prize, hope to overcome a bully and live peaceably, hope for that, for, for, uh, and anticipation for that perfect Christmas dinner, hope that the decoder you got from drinking gallons of Ovaltine would put you in a whole new status as a detective in the Little Orphan Annie fan club. If you know the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Everything in this movie just screams hope and how our lives often revolve around our search for it. And that's the thing with the first advent of Christ, the coming, the arrival of our Savior. It brought a level of hope to the world like it had never been experienced before. The world was a dark place at that time. You have to understand this. Right before Jesus came, it was dark. Jesus was essentially born into a third world type situation that was controlled by a military dictatorship. King Herod was appointed by the Roman Empire to govern this region that was predominantly occupied by the Jews. And he ruled with a totalitarian fist. If he didn't like what you said, if he didn't approve of what you did, he'd just have you killed. He was ruthless. Economically, the wealth was all over, or was all with the power, I'm sorry. The power, or uh, powerful people had all the money. The poor were weak and the rich were so powerful that they would use their strength and just keep forcibly taking from the poor. This was the state of the world during the time of that first advent. And let's not forget the whole reason that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem in the first place. They went there because Caesar Augustus had made a decree that the whole world's gotta be taxed. These were powerful people. They could do anything they wanted, and they would tax to death the lower classes. They had to go register, Mary and Joseph, in their city of birth, which was Bethlehem, so that they could be taxed. That's why they went there. They were forced to travel, even in her condition, just to register in the census so that Caesar would take, could take and did take more of their money. This shows the kind of political oppression they were under. And then there's the four centuries before Jesus was born. It's often referred to as the 400 years of silence. It's the period of time between the Old and New Testament. There were no prophets, no fresh words from the Lord, no miraculous signs. They were a people whose faith was growing thin and it was growing cold. The miracles that their ancestors had seen and celebrated even wrote songs about and, and celebrated feasts totally around those miracles. These miracles were slowly becoming mere stories they had only heard about. 400 years of silence. Think about that. They couldn't relate to those miracles probably by this time because they hadn't seen as tangible works. That's not hard to imagine at that time, right before the first advent of Christ. It's not hard to imagine the hopelessness they must have felt. When God goes silent, it really doesn't take very long for us to start thinking that he's forgotten about us. Or that doubt begins to creep in and we wonder if he cares enough to intervene on our behalf. We even start doubting his existence Right before that first advent, the first coming of Christ, the world was dark, church. And in my imagination, that the, the hopelessness was increasing by the moment. The glory days of King David, the days in which God's people were politically strong and materially wealthy, those days were long gone. 
And it must have started to feel like they were slaves, political slaves. How could the one true God let this happen to me? How could he allow this to happen to us, to those of us who love him? I can almost hear how the devil must have been laughing at all of this. The world was a mess. The people in power were corrupt. They constantly pursued their lusts and, their pleasure, and the pleasures of the flesh. Sin was in charge, and God's people had their backs against the wall. That sounds a little like today, doesn't it? It was dark and hopeless, as if a gloomy cloud of doom just hung over everything. But I believe that there was a faithful remnant, those within God's people who hadn't lost their faith. They were looking for the advent of Christ. They were waiting for it. They were anticipating it. They were watching for the signs, the fulfillment of the promised Savior. And although they There there aren't any specific scriptural references to this. I can imagine that their heart's cry was Maranatha, Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus or come Lord, come. And they, they, they were longing for the arrival of their Messiah. Come Jesus, bring us your, bring the Messiah. Come, we need the Christ. We need him desperately in our time. The one who the prophets of old had spoken of. And nature itself even testifies to this. Have you ever noticed how it's darkest just before dawn? It's amazing how that is. It's so dark, and then you see that little bit of light begin to break over the eastern horizon. And just moments later, billions of light particles explode across the sky, and light dispels the darkness. You see, in the cold, the cold darkness of every night, there is hope for the warming light of the morning. Even the scriptures say that we can have faith in his mercies being new every morning. And that's hope in the midst of the darkness of sin. And you can see this contrast of darkness and light all throughout scripture, all throughout the Christmas story even. Luke 2, 8 through 9 says, and, it's, and, and in the In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great favor, or I'm sorry, great fear. I know that this usage of night is referring to the actual time of day that these things were happening. But it doesn't take a lot of imagination to hear and see the scripture metaphorically referring to the times that they were living in. Dark times. Yes, it was nighttime. And yes, it was a dark, cold world that Jesus was about to be born into. It's also interesting that the glory of the Lord was so bright and so brilliant to the eyes of those shepherds that they immediately fell into fear. When we're engulfed in darkness for long periods of time, we begin to get used to it. We even become comfortable with it. We learn to maneuver around in it and we start putting up with it. And then when light suddenly breaks through and illuminates the truth of everything that is, was in the dark, it's not uncommon to react with fear. I think about that then and I think about that now. 
Our level of comfort with the darkness needs to get blown up by the unfamiliarity of the light. We also know that a star appeared this night and wise men saw its light and began their near two-year journey following it. The disparity of darkness, the hope of light. A big contrast within scripture, especially surrounding the Christmas story. John 8, 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness and light. Once again, that contrast, that comparison, all throughout scripture. That first advent had to be like a sunrise and how it felt. Like a sunrise breaking through the darkness that their world was and had become. The darkness itself may have been reveling in the fact that it was so dark. I can imagine every demon and nasty entity in hell puffed up and proud of how all-encompassing the spiritual darkness they had created truly was. They thought it was great. I mean, the powerful, so full of lust, so full of pride and arrogance, enslaving people, the darkness of, of, of the whole world at that time. They even had accomplished longevity in that darkness. Those demons, those entities of hell. They accomplished it to the extent that God's highest creation, humanity, was not only consumed with darkness, some of them were actually enjoying it. And even some of those within God's people had grown comfortable with it. Church, hear those true believers say Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Because we are living in similar times. The darkness is everywhere. Hope seems hard to find. Sickness, crime, natural disasters, pandemics, financial fallouts, governmental shifts in power, nations posturing themselves, people taking advantage of others and, and their difficult circumstances. It's the darkness of the world that we live in. So let us be a people that says, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. And as much as God's people back then looked for the first advent, the coming of the Messiah, and their belief was vindicated upon his arrival, we must also look for the advent of Christ, not the first advent, the second advent. And on that day, all of our faith will be vindicated as well because Jesus is coming back, church. And the darker it gets, the closer we are to his arrival. His first advent brought with it the beginning of hope. Hope that we would no longer be powerless against sin. Hope that sickness, disease, and death itself would never again have the final word. Hope for his blessing to be upon us and our children and for a thousand generations. Hope that there would be a true pathway to heaven that didn't depend on what we do for God, but on what God has done for us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And the light he is is magnificent. He is the light that dispels all darkness. And just as that first advent brought with it hope for all those things I mentioned, the second advent takes hope to a whole nother level, church. Because it's gonna be beyond hope. It's gonna be reality. We won't have to hope for it. It will just be. All of it. 
John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That first advent, when the light of Jesus started breaking through, I can imagine how the darkness must have trembled. Wait a minute. We were advancing our evil agenda with such success. How could this happen? Jesus, the mighty, precious name of Jesus. Everybody say that name, Jesus. He makes the darkness tremble. He silences the voices that cause fear. His light of truth illuminates everything, and the, uh, and the blind, both physically and spiritually, they can once again see. And these weeks leading up to Christmas, remember how hope must have burst forth in those who were living during his first advent. And in the midst of our own darkness, no matter what you're going through, Brad said something this morning. He said, I don't know why you're here, but I'm glad you are. I don't know what caused you to be in God's house today. Maybe you're visiting with us for the first time. Maybe you're tuning in online and you've never, you, you've, you've never seen us before. The, you're here for a reason. And whatever you're going through, hope can burst forth as you put your trust in Jesus Christ. In the midst of your darkness, let hope burst forth. And of course, it's not about the false hope of getting that perfect gift. It's not about the false hope that anything in this world can, can really provide. Ralphie may have hoped for a Red Rider air rifle. Our hope is in Jesus. We have a Savior that has been born, and because of his sacrificial death, we can be born again. And as born-again followers of Christ, we have a Savior who is coming back for us, guaranteed 100%. And I think this is so important that when the devil starts pressing in and the darkness seems to be pressing in all around you and so many have been struggling as of late. I know this, my phone rings all the time. I get messages all the time, I get emails. I know the struggle is there, but understand something. There is hope in Jesus. And the light that is in him dispels all the darkness. And when you say the name of Jesus, just remember this, all of the darkness trembles. All of hell trembles at his name. He's coming back for us. And when the devil starts telling you everything that's going on in your life that's horrible, and he starts reminding you of all those things, you just remind him of his future. Because he ain't got much of one. He ain't got that. He ain't got that future. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.